Hey, I want to go ahead and jump right in so we have as much time as possible. I'm really excited to get to open up the scriptures with you guys. And uh, I'm also really, um, I feel really passionate about what we're going to be talking about this morning. So, so would you do me a favor and would you just really lean in and engage with me? I want to I challenge you guys as we've been kind of saying the last few weeks. I want you to, to take notes. I want you to do your best to, to engage. If you know that your phone's going to be a distraction, just like put it in your pocket, put it on do not disturb, lean in. If you know the people around you are going to be a distraction, maybe just go ahead and tell them right now, hey, I need to pay attention. Look at your neighbor and say, help me pay attention. Look at your other neighbor and say, you help me pay attention too. Mr. Jacob, can you give me a bit more light over here? I know, I'm, I'm being picky. I want to be able to see everyone. All right, here we go. If you have your Bible, I want you to go and turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, at the very, very beginning of the Bible, the first book of the Bible, the sixth chapter. Go ahead and get there. If you haven't been with us the last few weeks to catch you up, we are in a series called Alpha and Omega. Everyone say Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega meaning the beginning and the end. We've been opening up the books of Genesis and Revelation and, and really going after this question. When we look at the very beginning of time and what, who God promises to be at the very end in the book of Revelation, what do we see to be true about God? Okay, so when we open up scripture, we ask this question, not necessarily what, what do I need to learn or what does it have to say for me? We open up scripture and we ask the question, what does this say about God? God. Everyone say God. Everyone say God. There we go. What does this say about God? And so when we open up scriptures, it's really important for us to understand that God wants to reveal himself. He wants to show us more of what he is like through the Bible. And so today we're going to be leaning into some difficult, some difficult passages. Any of you guys ever read something in the Bible before where you're like, whoa, that's crazy? Or like, whoa, that's weird? Yeah. Yeah, like there are, there are some like crazy stories in the Bible where we can open them up and sometimes they're pretty difficult to understand. And, and today we're going to be talking about two pretty difficult passages. We're going to be talking about the flood and we're going to be talking about eternal judgment. Look at your neighbor and say eternal judgment. It feels like it just got intense like here already, right? Like, like eternal judgment, like what is he going to say? Like I'm scared already, right? When we talk about the flood or eternal judgment, these are some really, really difficult and, and heavy things to kind of work through. So what I want to challenge you to do is, is to go into today asking this question, who is God? Everyone say, who is God? So with that, let's go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It will also be up on the screen. Genesis 6. Verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. Everyone say, only evil continually. A lot of words of emphasis here. Humanity is a mess, is what that means. Verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now I want to read a passage out of Revelation 20, verses 14 through 15 real quick. It will be up on the screen. It says, at the very, very end, right before Genesis 20, or sorry, Revelation 21 and 22, where we've opened that up and we see God's promise that he will come back and he will make all things new. This is in Revelation 20. He says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Then verse 15 
It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Go ahead and bow your heads. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we need you this morning. Lord, we don't want to come in here and, and waste our time just going through the motions of singing songs and doing all the different things for no reason. Lord, would you help us to be able to focus on you? Jesus, I pray that as we engage with some, some difficult stories, some difficult texts that we're reading today, that we'd be able to see how beautiful and amazing you are, that you are a God who is compassionate. That even in, in your justice, even in your wrath, you have such compassion for your creation and for who you've made. So God, would you help my friends, would you help all of us to be able to focus on you, to not be distracted by other things, and to give you our attention and our focus, our love, and our worship. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, amen. Amen. How many of you guys know when we talk about God's justice, eternal judgment, uh, like this place that called hell in scripture, or, or we talk about even something like the flood, it can be a little scary. You guys ever been there? You ever picked up the Bible? Raise your hand if, if, you, if you agree with me. Yeah. Like it can be scary when we open up the Bible. And, and, and sometimes when we pick up the Bible, it can feel like, like when we open up scripture that God is like this grumpy old man, right? Like God's sitting up there in heaven, arms crossed, and, and he's kind of like frustrated and upset. And like if you do anything wrong, he's sitting there like, hey, get off my lawn, right? Like, like we can think God is like this grumpy old man and kind of when he looks at earth, when he looks at humanity, he's always up there ready just to like correct someone and point like wag the finger and be like do this better and you're not this. And sometimes that's, that's how we approach God. And I want us to ask this question, that even as we open up scripture, open up this text, it's very, very important for us to understand what is God's heart like? Everyone say God's heart. What is God's heart like? Like, maybe, maybe a good question to ask you guys. I'm, I'm going to close your eyes real quick. I want you to try to picture something with me. Now, imagine if it was just you alone in this room. It's just you and God. Everyone close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. With your eyes closed, I want you to try to picture where God is in relation to you. And, and I, want, I want you to think about, like, what is God's, like, face towards me right now? Is he... Is he angry? Is he grumpy? Is he like really irritated with you? Is he this old grumpy old man who wants you to get your act together? Or, or is he kind? Pigeon, close your eyes, close your eyes. Try to picture what, when you think of God, when you think of him looking at you, when you think of him being with you, is he far away? Is he distant? Does he not really want to talk to you? Shh, pay attention. What, what do you see? Is God's face happy? Does he smile at you? I want you to try to picture that. You can open your eyes. You can open your eyes. I want you to try to think about that. That as we kind of lean into that, I want you to think about what is God's heart like? One more time. Everyone say God's heart. Y'all do it quiet. Everyone say God's heart. There you go, there you go. What is God's heart like? So let me just kind of put three things before you about God's heart that we see in this passage. Number one, everyone say number one. Number one is that God desires relationship with us. Everyone say relationship. 
God desires relationship with us. Look at this passage one more time in Genesis. And it says in verse 5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry. What that word means, that word for sorry, is the Hebrew word naham. Everyone say naham. I love it. Someone just like coughed up like a booger in their throat. Like, right? Nacham. Like, it's, this, it's this word that, that in its original meaning, it means to be moved to compassion. To, to be moved towards grief. Like think about when you see something really sad in the world. And like when your heart is just like, it's almost like it's pulled out of your chest. And like you're so sad to see it. That's what this word means. It's not saying that God looked at the earth. Maybe in like if you have the NIV it says, and God regretted that he made humankind. That wasn't like God chilling up in heaven and he's like looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and like, yo, they're a mess. We messed up, bro. Like, why do we make these messy humans? Like, we should, we should have thought that out. Like, no, no. Like, God is sovereign and he knew that we were going to sin. That's why in Ephesians 1 it talks about how we have been uh, chosen for adoption before the foundation of the world was laid. So God knew that sin would come into the world. But what, this, uh, what this word means, that God was sorry, is that when he looks at the brokenness of humanity, he is grieved. Everyone say grieved. He's moved to compassion. Now, now, why is God moved to compassion? Why is he grieved when he sees sin? It's because sin is this, this disease that causes brokenness, right? Like sin is this disease that, that tears apart our relationships and, and it breaks apart our world. And God desires relationship with his creation. Right? Like if you open up scripture and you see in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 where we started this series talking about how God is good. What do we see about God from the very beginning of time? That he desires relationship. Everyone say relationship. Everyone say relationship. Lock it with me. He desires relationship. This is why he makes Adam and Eve in his own image and likeness. And he wants to have relationship with them. He wants to, to walk with them in the garden and be their father. And so what we see is the Bible is literally an entire story where from the very beginning to the end, God desires relationship with his people. And because of sin causing separation from God, scripture is a story of redemption. The story of redemption, of God winning his people back and ransoming them by his blood so they can have relationship. Everyone say relationship. Now you see this is really important because we think that God is this grumpy old man. But look at this passage in John 3 verse 16. Y'all know this. Everyone look up at the screen. You guys know this one. John 3, 16. For God so, what? Come on. For God so loved the world. You got it too. May not perish, but have eternal life. That works. You guys all kind of started saying That's great. For God, so what is that next word? Everyone say loved. loved. Look at your neighbor and say loved. loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only son that whoever believes in him may not what? Shh, all right, may not perish. Now pay attention. Shh, listen, listen, listen. Look at me, look at me. This passage is actually so, so important because what this is saying is that God's desire is love towards you. That he loves you so much that he gave his one only son for you. So that you may not perish. God's desire is that none would have separation from him. He desires relationship. He does not delight in people not knowing him and spending eternity in a place called hell. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Everyone listen. Hey, fellas, over here. I need you guys to pay attention, right? There's a lot of distraction over here. Lean in, okay? Okay. God does not, God does not delight in sentencing his creation who he loves to eternal separation 
from him. His desire is repentance. Look at 2 Peter 3.9. Put that up, Joey. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you. Everyone say patient. God is patient with you. Not wanting any. Everyone say any. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God's desire for you and for his creation, for humanity, is for relationship. And so when we think about judgment, when we think about the flood, when we think about one day when Jesus comes back and we give an account for every deed we have done, both good and bad. Listen to me, listen to me. God wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with all of his creation, with all of Humanity, And the reason why sin grieves his heart is because sin separates us from God. So number one, we know that God's heart, he wants relationship with us. Number two is this, that God is not, everyone say not. God is not indifferent towards sin. God is not indifferent towards sin. To be indifferent towards something is to kind of be like neutral, to kind of be passive, to, to not really care too much. And if you've ever read through scripture, you know that, that God takes wickedness and sin very, very seriously. We talked about this last week that God hates sin. Everyone say, God hates sin. God hates sin. God wants to do something about it. Let me explain it to you like this. How many of you guys have ever seen someone you really, really love and care about be mistreated before? Ever seen that? Someone you really love, someone you care about be, be treated badly. How does, that, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Shout it out. Mad, mad, mad. mad. He's got it. Okay. It makes, it makes you feel mad, right? It makes you feel angry. Like, who, who gets angry in here when someone they love is mistreated? Right? Like, I'm with you. Like, like I'm, I'm, a pretty, I'm a pretty chill person. Like if, like, if someone comes up and is, like, mad at me or, like, insulting me, like, I'm pretty chill. Like, I'm not going to, like, respond in anger. I'll just be like, man, bro, I'm sorry. You're, you're like that. But, but when someone messes, when someone messes with someone I love, something changes. Something changes. Did someone just say Lindsay? Eli, you're absolutely right. Someone messes with my wife, Lindsay. Yeah, I get angry. Like, like I remember growing up, something that would really, really bother me was this. So, so I have two amazing older brothers. My, my brother, Pastor Victor, uh, uh, Augustine is, is the oldest. You guys met my dad earlier. He's awesome. I have an awesome mom. But I also have an absolutely amazing sister. My sister is amazing. She inspires me. She loves Jesus. She is awesome. But when Michaela, my sister, was born, she was born with, with two clubbed feet. And so if you kind of know anything about clubbed feet, like, it, it's something that, that, like, really alters, like, the way that, you, that you're able to, to walk. And, and so she got some surgeries when she was younger, but because of being born two clubbed feet, she always, like, walked a little bit different than, than most people. And so something that would bother me ever since I was a little kid was, was when people would kind of look at her funny because of the way she walked. Right, like if we were in a public place and, and someone's like walking by Michaela, like it didn't matter if it was like a little kid, like a teenager, like a grown adult, like if they kind of like looked at her funny and were kind of like like just staring, like it made me so angry because of how it would make her feel, right? Like it would make me feel angry because like the way that people were looking at her is, is like judgmental or or like made her feel not confident. And so like me as a younger brother, like oh, it made me mad. 
Like, oh, it made me, it made me angry. And so, so what I would start doing is I would just stare back at whoever was staring, right? And so, like, even like seven, eight-year-old me, like, no, I know you're with me, I got you. Like, like, like a seven, eight-year-old me, if I saw like someone staring, it didn't matter if it was like a five-year-old kid who wasn't aware that he was like staring and like making like a weird face, or if it was like a teenager who like thinks they're super cool and they're like, what, what is that, all right? Or like, or if it was like an old person, like, it didn't matter who it was, I was going to give him like, like a glare, like the eyes of death of like, don't mess with my sister, right? And it's like, what we were doing, like, if I, I feel like we'd walk by someone and I saw someone staring, this would be my face of just like, right? Like, like I was ready, it's like, don't make me square up. Like, like imagine seven-year-old me. I was like three feet tall. I was tiny. Like, it didn't matter. I'm walking by like some like grown person. I'd be like, like, don't look at my sister like that, right? Because it made me angry. Everyone say angry. angry. And you see, what, what I love about this picture is that, that the reality is that God is not indifferent towards our sin. God is not indifferent towards sin because when God looks at the world he has made and he sees sin, he gets angry. Everyone say angry. Because the reality is, is that God loves his creation. God loves who he has made. And so for God to sit up there while someone's being mistreated, like think about the evil we see in our world. Like can we be real for a second? Everyone listen. Like think about the, like, the awful things we see, like murder. And, and, and we see wars and we see these broken things all throughout the world that we live in. Imagine if God were sitting up there and being like, oh, that's fine. That's fine now. They, they, they can all come to heaven. Like, they're all good. Like, I know, I know they don't even believe in me. And, like, they're actually contributing to the brokenness in the world, causing fracture and pain and death and suffering. But, ah, it's fine. Like, can you imagine if that's who our God was? But what we see in this passage in Genesis 6 is that when God, he looks down and he sees the wickedness of humanity. He sees that every inclination of their heart was only evil continually. Humanity at this point, there's murder, there's violence, there's immorality, families are being broken apart. There are all sorts of messiness happening with creation. And when God looks, he is moved with grief and compassion. Everyone say compassion. Come on, everyone say compassion. And because God looks down and he sees sin, this disease that is causing the good world that he made for relationship and perfect love being broken apart, he wants to do something about it, right? And the reality is, friends, is that our God is not indifferent towards sin. He sees it like, like a gross disease that he wants to get rid of, that he, wants to, that he wants to eradicate because it causes pain to his people. One of my favorite illustrations for this is, is in a book I read recently where, where the author kind of phrases it like this, where he says, imagine that there is this, this father who has, who has a daughter, a little, a little daughter whom he loves so, so much. And, and this little girl, he, he, he cares for her so much. He, he'll do anything for his little girl. But what happens is his little girl, she develops this, this horrible disease. She, she has cancer. And, and this disease is, is starting to tear her apart. It's, it's, it's starting to, to destroy her from the inside out. It's affecting everything in their lives. And, and he, the, the author says, imagine if this father who loves his daughter was to look at his daughter and be angry at her because of the disease. Can you imagine? Like, like imagine if, if the father were to look at his daughter and, and because she's being affected by this disease, because maybe she's, she's acting different because of this disease, imagine if he were angry at her saying, hey, why can't you just feel better? Get better. Stop, stop faking. You're, you're going to be fine. Just do better. Imagine if that was God's heart 
towards you. Because the reality is, is that sin is a disease that tears us apart from the inside out. And friends, look at me, look at me. What I want you guys to hear tonight is this. Is that when God, when God does his, his work of justice, when God, when God makes things right, it's not because he's a grumpy old man. It's because he loves his people so much that when he sees disorder, when he sees death, when he sees sin, because of his compassion, because of the way brokenness grieves him, he wants to do something about it. Everyone say God is compassionate. Number three is this. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Number three is this, that God is compassionate towards us, which gives us confidence. God is compassionate towards us, which gives us confidence. Everyone say confidence. I remember, I remember this moment I had. Have you guys ever had a moment where you've been like really scared of like a punishment or like judgment that was about to happen? Like maybe like when you were a little kid, it was like mom and dad call you into the room and you know exactly what's about to happen. Like you know what you did was wrong. You know you're about to like, you're about to get it. Like a little like, a little pa-pow, you know. Like I, I remember when I, was, when I was 16 years old, I, I got pulled over for the very first time. Any, any of my drivers in the room? These are like for not junior high, obviously. No, no, put your hand up. Has anyone gotten pulled over here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Good job, Julia. Wait or not. Your, your leaders are awesome drivers. They're not getting pulled over. But I remember when I was, when I was 16, I got pulled over. It wasn't because I was speeding or doing anything crazy. My headlight was out, okay? I, I was, I'm a good driver, okay? Never got a speeding ticket or anything. But I, I remember I, I was driving past the police officer. I knew that the headlight was out. And as I drove past the police officer in like Jackson Creek, right by the Walmart over there, there's always police officers there. Like, and so I, I drove past the police officer and immediately I was like, oh, no. He, he's coming for me. Like, I know my headlight's out. And so, so he, he, you know, he comes up behind me, puts his lights on, and I get pulled over, and, and he comes up to the car, and, and so he's like, all right, like do, you, like, do you know why I pulled you over? I was like, yes, sir, I, I think I have a headlight out. And he was like, yeah, you're correct. And I was, and he was like, okay, I need your license and registration. And I was like, uh, okay, like, let, me, let me find it real quick because I'd never been pulled over. I was like, so give me a second. He's like, is this your first time? I was like, yes, sir, I'm a first timer. He was like, good job, young man, good job. Thank you, thank you. So I'm, trying, I'm kind of sorting through everything. I give him my license, my registration. He goes, and when he comes back to the car, this dude thought he was funny. He comes up and he says, sir, I need you to get out of the vehicle and put your hands on top of the car. There's a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> and I looked at him, and, I, and, and knowing what, what I have done and, and living faithfully with, with God, I was like, okay, either I like obey and, and get out of the car or I'm going to like guess that he's playing a joke on me because he's a police officer. Maybe don't do this when you get pulled over. But, but I looked at him and I was like, that's a good joke, man. You got me there. And he was like, oh, you got, and he, like, he was totally playing. But like, I had this moment of fear when he was like, get out of your car, put your hands on top of the vehicle. There's a warrant out for your arrest. I was like, Maybe I did do something wrong. Like, did I, did I like kill someone in my sleep? Like, I don't know. Like, it was terrifying. But like in this moment, like there was like in this moment of like judgment or possible punishment, right? Like we can often feel fear. How many of you guys have ever been afraid when you face a moment of judgment or punishment? Right? It's it's really it's a natural feeling. But let me encourage you guys with this. I need everyone to listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. Is that what makes us different from the rest of the world as Christians? Is that we have confidence. Everyone say confidence. We have, we have confidence. Now you might be asking like, well, why do we have confidence? Like, like I want you to try to picture this moment that it talks about in scripture. Shh, listen, listen. Like in scripture, it's very clear that every single one of us will stand before God 
and we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for everything we've ever done. Some of y'all are like, everything? Yeah, everything. Like that time when you kicked your little sibling like in the, in the shin because they're annoying you. Or the time like that you like lost your mind in anger because like the video game you were playing. Like everything? Yeah, everything. And the reality is, is that when we open up scripture and we read about God's judgment, often we can be kind of scared, right? Like, like what's going to happen? Like, like, am I good? Like, like what is going to happen in that moment? And friends, listen to me. I need everyone to stop not talking. Listen to me, fellas. We are able to have confidence as believers. Let me show you why. Look at this passage in Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, it'll be up on the screen. It's one of my favorite passages in all scripture. Let me get there. Romans 5 verse 6 says this, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Everyone say the ungodly. That is me and you without Jesus, the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even maybe dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For why, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Everyone say Reconciliation. This word reconciliation comes from the Greek word katalage. I want to say katalage. If you're at junior high retreat, you remember that word. Katalage. It, mean, it means to be reconnected, to bring two broken things back together. And friends, you and I, without Jesus, we are enemies of God. Make no mistake. Like, with, without what Jesus has done, you and I, we are enemies of God. Because guess what? You and I, we have sinned. Like all of us have sinned. Romans tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans also tells us that the punishment, the price to pay, the wages of sin is death. Everyone say death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Friends, listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I want you guys to hear this. That you are able to have confidence. Because when God looks at you, God's heart is compassionate towards you. Why can it be compassionate towards you? Even though you and I, we sin and we contribute to the brokenness of the world and we hurt people. Because when God looks at you, he sees what Jesus has done for you. That while you were an enemy of God, he gave his life for you. So you could be forgiven. So this is what I want you to do. I want everyone to... Stand up and, and come right here. I, I want us to get on our knees together. No one talking right now. Shh. Don't talk. As we come, as we get on our knees, I want us to have a moment of worship together. Now listen to me. I, I want you guys to be mature. I want you guys to take this seriously and understand that you are coming before God the Father right now. Look at this passage in Hebrews 4. Can we put it up real quick, Joey? Hebrews 4 tells us this. Let us then with 
confidence. Everyone say confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. One of my favorite quotes ever is this. The pastor says, I, am, I reach out for my father because I am held by my father. I reach out for my father because I am held by my father. I want you guys to try to picture that. Like imagine like, like a little baby, one or two-year-old baby. The only way they can reach out to their dad is if they're held by dad, right? Like they can't walk over to him. They're not tall enough to actually like reach up and like pull himself up. Like they are completely unable. But the only reason they can reach out to their dad is because their dad is holding them close. And friends, what the gospel is, is a beautiful story and a beautiful truth that God has made a way to come close to you. Because he loves you. Because he wants relationship with you. Not because you're just another face in the crowd. Not just because he needed to kind of do something. No, he came for you. Because he loves you. When he sees how sin is breaking apart your life, how sin is breaking apart the world, he is grieved. Which led Jesus to taking on the punishment, the wrath of God upon himself and dying on the cross. So will you just close your eyes with me? What I want us to do as we sing this next song is to come to Jesus knowing that he is compassionate towards us. Not because you and I deserve forgiveness, not because you and I have done anything to earn it, but because God has given it to us as a free gift because of Jesus. And as we come to worship and sing this simple song, I want us to remember that God is compassionate. Will you just say the simple prayer? Will you just say, Father, I thank you that you are compassionate, that you are kind, and that you love me. So friends, go ahead and just stay on your knees as we worship to this song. I want us to, to sing this out in gratitude for who he is, what he's done. So go ahead and stay on your knees, stay on your knees, and let's sing this song together.